welcome to episode 79 of Running Matters Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Paul Hatfield. Uh, missing today is Matt, the Wolfman North, who's apparently got himself a real job and uh, is also looking after a growing stable at Running Matters Coaching. So uh, I think the, the group's expanding. So well done, Wolf. Uh, quickly, I'd like to thank our partners for 2021. So Ranella, Goo Energy, Precision Hydration, Sydney Brewery, of course, Fractal Performance Headwear, Gymere Allied Health and Basecamp Altitude. And some exciting news, we've teamed up with the sensational European trail running brand, Raidlight, for 2021. Uh, so we'll have some more info about some discounts for our listeners and some gear reviews on our next podcast. So keep an ear out for that one. But some big news for the show. Now, this week's guest is one of those incredible athletes that seems to get better when the going gets tougher and longer. So she's an Ironman, an ultra runner. She's an elite massage therapist and a mum. Uh, welcome to the show, Kristen Brace. Hi, thank you. Pleasure to have you on today. I've, I've just, just got Good you after a Sorry, I've just got you after you finished uh, working for the day. How are the hands? Yep, no, all good. Not too hard today. It's an easy day today. Good. I've finished one. already, <laughs> so that's good. I'm glad we got you on an easy day then. Good. Now, yeah. tell me, Kristen, how did you get into this running caper? What's your, uh, your origin story? Oh, well, so I originally, I wouldn't say I was a runner. I would run every now and then with my sister. Um, and, yeah, I, I got into it because my friend asked me to do a half marathon. That was in 2009. And she asked me two weeks before the event. And, um at that stage, I had never ran 10 kilometres. So I went out the very next day and ran 10 kilometres. <laughs> and then I had to taper for the half marathon. So yeah, when I did it and it was very hard, I found it really, really hard. And I remember crying at the finish line because through the race, I actually didn't know how I was going to do it. Um, but I did it and I was very, it was such a relief and a really good feeling. So something about that run just made me fall in love with running. And someone said to me at the finish line, if you can do a half marathon, then you can do a marathon. So that, yeah. So then I went and started training for a marathon, which then like I only did one marathon that next year. Then I did another one the next year. And then I decided to have a go at, uh, it was called the North Face 100 then at Katoomba and um, that was in 2012 and um, yeah it's just progressed since then so that's so, how I got into running. So uh, how long did it take to wipe the tears off after that first half marathon and decide you were going to go larger? <laughs> so from the half marathon to the 100 kilometres in, in Katoomba it, it was three years yeah, so okay. it was 2009 to 2012. Yeah right no, that's, that's not, <laughs> not, not too bad a progression there. Now, um, for the listeners, you are you live at the foot of the Blue Mountains. So, how often do you make it up there onto those trails? Um, so, I guess when you talk about the Blue Mountains, um, I would pass Glenbrook all the way up to pass Katoomba as a Blue Mountain. So, I pretty much run in the Blue Mountains all the time because I run at Glenbrook National Park uh, two, three times a week, and then we go further up the mountain 
are often weekly, if not fortnightly or, yeah, so all the time pretty much. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Such a great place to be. And in most of the photos, you look to be wearing a BMRC, so Blue Mountains Running Co hat. So it looks like a fantastic <laughs> culture up there. Um, what's your involvement with the, the shop and the group there? Uh, involvement would just be um, we. I train with so Belinda and Shane own the shop. So Belinda is who I trained with for the very first 100-kilometre race in 2012. Uh, so we've always, yeah, we pretty much got into ultra running with her. Um, and from then it's kind of progressed to I basically run with Shane a lot now. So he's done, he's probably the reason why I've gone further into the longer distances. Mm. Kind of took me under his wing a little bit. <laughs> You seems to be pretty uh, pretty influential amongst the group up there. Is it just the great coffee at the 2773 or is he uh, a bit of a guru? <laughs> we let him think it's his running ability, but it's definitely the coffee. Coffee, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. If, if uh, any of our listeners haven't had a crack at that cafe in Glenbrook, definitely do yourself a favour and get up there before or after a run. So it's a cracker. Now, yeah, it's I good believe, fun. I believe during that sort of build-up to uh, to running, you you got stuck into some triathlon as well and, and competed in the Ironman in 2013. Um, how does that yes. go for someone who doesn't like swimming and cycling, by your account? <laughs> I stuck at it for, yeah, many years. And after I did the, uh, the Ironman, I decided that, I don't like swimming and I don't like riding. So I'm just going to stick with the running. <laughs> I stuck at it. I always thought, the, you know, do these things that put you out of your comfort zone. It makes you better, stronger, you know. But now I really think that I just do what you enjoy. Yeah. Wise. Yeah. Wise move. And look, you must have had a reasonable base of fitness leading up into this sort of endurance paper. Were you sporty prior to 2009? Were you doing some other stuff? Uh, not so much, um, like as, not so much that type of sport. I, I grew up as a horse rider, so I was always riding horses and I actually worked in the industry for a long time until I had my daughter, um, in 2000 and then I was for 12 months until I, um, realized it was going to be too hard to do with her, um, and that's when I gave that up and I got into massage. Uh, right. So I guess there's a level of fitness that goes along with horse riding because you're always looking after the horses as well. So mucking out stables and riding, it's a fitness, but it's not, not like an endurance sport. No, but, but a certain amount of strength involved with moving those things around, I imagine. Yeah, very, yes. <laughs> and probably leg strength too. Yeah, for sure. For sure, absolutely. Yeah. Bending down, picking up those feet, absolutely. <laughs> and so since, since you got started, there's, there's a massive list of, uh, of trail ultras that you've been part of. So UTA 100 a bunch of times, trail walker, six foot track, Buffalo Stampede. But I, I, I kind of want to talk about uh, Western States and, and how that all came about. Um, one, because I'm incredibly jealous of you having a crack at that race. But two, I think the listeners would be really interested in the process and, and how you came to be there. 
Um, yeah, so from the first three UTAs that I did, I put the lottery in. So I had three tickets in, but then I didn't do UTA for two years. And so I went back to having no lotteries. And then I did it in, um, must have been 2018, and, oh no, 17, 2017. I had, so I put the lottery in again. And so off one ticket, I just, I got drawn out. So I actually kind of, I know it's hard to get drawn out of Western States. So I'm very lucky. It was like a 2% chance mm. to get drawn out in the lottery. And um, so I kind of just believe these things happen when they're meant to, because if it had of been drawn out in the years previously I probably wouldn't have been physically or mentally ready to do it so it was kind of perfect timing it was a really good uh yeah forced me to step up to the 100 miles <laughs> wow wow so so it was your first 100 mile event then Chris yeah. yeah yeah it was my first so pretty special pretty special for the first one absolutely and especially drawn out of the hat with a two percent chance that's bloody incredible yeah yeah <laughs> and so uh what was the experience like you know did you, did you spend some time over in the states getting used to things there first or was it like a fly in fly out kind no of yeah no we didn't get to have much time there beforehand we turned up on the wednesday and the race is on a friday um so yeah we just banged straight into it that was mainly because uh the people that came with me, I had five girlfriends come and we're all mothers. A lot of us work. So we just, you know, basically go from the shortest amount of time that you can go to help the families out, that type of thing. Yeah. But we had a great time and it was a, it was a fabulous experience. You know, you're at this race that has all the top runners in the world there. It's everybody that you've ever heard about, read about, see on Instagram and, um, it was amazing just to be a part of that. Mm. So like you're standing on the start line. I was actually standing on the start line with Gordon Ainsley, who's the, you know, he started Western States. So that was pretty special. Um, and you're going, you know, you start off straight up a big hill and I'm walking up the hill with all these people who have, you know, there's a lady, Diane Fitzpatrick, I'm not sure if you know who she is, but she's like, she's like America's Pam Muston. So she, she's, she actually did sub 24 hours. Yeah. And she's 60. So I was walking up the first hill with her and I'm thinking, I'm not passing this lady. She has so much experience and I've never done a hundred miles before. And anyway, she ended up yeah, running off and she finished two hours in front of me, which uh -huh. is awesome. But, yeah, I was, people there were so humble and I was with a man for a very long time. I can't think of his name. I was trying to think of it just the other day when I knew I was going to speak to you. But um, he was giving me so much advice that he was actually doing the Triple Crown, so where they do the three 100-mile races. Um, I believe he was doing Hard Rock. Um, I think he did the Old Dominion and Western States. Okay. And he was giving me lots of advice and he had just done a hundred mile race two weeks before or three weeks before. And he was saying to me, you know, he's just taking it really easy because he's got to get it done. And I'm like, you're crazy. Why would you do that? And then he said, yeah, he's doing the triple crown. Anyway, I ended up Googling him after because I wanted to see how he went in the triple crown. 
Uh, it ended up that he's the race director for Hard Rock. Oh, right. So, like, I had no idea. You know, they're so humble. Um, and another good story from Western States was uh, it was about 115 kilometres in. I was running with my sister at that stage. You could have a pacer. And we were just talking. And the man in front of me said, oh, is there two Aussie girls? And I recognised the voice. And... I looked down and I saw these big bronze calves and I said, is that Dean Carnassus? And he goes, yes, yes, it is. He goes, I used to live in Sydney and I went to school on the Northern beaches. And he was telling us all about, I didn't realize he grew up. He had, he spent a few years in Sydney. And anyway, we were chatting about the race and he was having a hard time. He was struggling and I don't know how it come up, but I said, um, you know, I've come all the way. Yeah, this is my first time in a race. I've got five women with me. I'm finishing. <laughs> and it was really cool that a week or so later, I came on a and he was talking about why's different reasons for people doing runs and their motivation. And he said, and if you're coming to Western States for your first 100 miler with five women, you're going to finish. So I thought that was a pretty cool little thing. Yeah, he was talking. So it was an amazing experience. Um, the, there's so many people, the whole trail, um, and they're very supportive. They love the race. Very, yeah, it was a great experience. So it'd be very hard to top, to top that. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and and a time of 26 hours is so bloody impressive. Um, you must have been really well prepared for that that race, Kristen. Um, how long was your build-up and what did you sort of do to, to get prepared for that race particularly? Uh, so that's probably when I started running with Shane instead of well, Belinda because he had done western states and i think he when i got in he was really excited for me and he basically took me under his wing and he was also training that year for tahoe 200 so i was actually going with him to tahoe to crew before i got pulled out for western states uh -huh. so we i actually ended up going there twice that year which wasn't on, you know, that wasn't planned. But when it happened, that's what happened. So we trained for me for Western States. And um, I basically, we, it was more about consistency and then throwing in a few, you know, set um, training sessions, whether it's for hills or speed or, you know, that type of thing, distance. Um, but the, um, oh, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't worry about the build up. That's, that's specific enough. No worries. <laughs> did um did you have a chat to Gordy Ainsley about the horses at the start of the race there, Chris? I didn't actually have a chat to him because it was like it wasn't too far to the start. Like it was about to go. I was very nervous. I had all my friends, like they were, everyone was standing with me at the start line, but he was just standing right in front of me and he was in his bright colours. Um, yeah, but no, I didn't. I didn't have a chat to him. <laughs> I'm sure you could have had, uh, you know, some good wolf talk with him before the race. <laughs> um, what about Dean? I Hunt? know I could have. Did you end up beating Dean home? Yeah, I did actually. He, yeah, he was struggling that day. Um, I can't remember if he was about 
Griffey did about 27 and a half hours or something, but he actually came to uh, Blue Mountains Running Co for a, um, a bit of a speak, a talk the year the year after and he I went and had a chat to him there and I said I met you at Western States and he said he remembered but I don't know if he did or not <laughs> he probably recognized you by your car yes oh yeah I remember meeting you, you. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> recognize my calves I'm sure I'm sure <laughs> Now, how did the, uh, the the crewing for Lake Tahoe 200 go? Um, it's, it's a different sort of kettle of fish jumping on the other side there. Do you enjoy that experience? Yeah, I love crewing. I, am, it's, I always thought it was better to crew than to do the race. <laughs> but after my, yeah. Um, no, it was, a, it was a good experience. I did two 60-kilometre stints with Shane, so that was a really good experience. We went both times it was I know one of them was all day into the night and one of them was all night we actually had a (laughs) we had a bit of a hiccup with headlights when we went all night and um yeah we basically were surviving on one headlight for for many hours so that's a funny story that Shane always likes to tell um but no it was great it's really you know, you really have to think about everything that you need. You're responsible for yourself out, you know, it's um, alpine areas. So you've really got to be prepared and have the right clothes. You need you needed food and drink there. Like the checkpoints weren't close enough to have enough. Like we were filling up water with our catted and bottles out of streams mm. and um, things like that. So he it probably is really important to have a pacer. There's people do that event without a pacer. Um, I just think they're amazing because it would be very difficult to think about all of that stuff when you're two, three days into, you know, an event on very minimal rest. So, um, yeah, it was really good. And that's what actually gave me the um, encouragement to try Coast to Cozzy because I saw in that, race I saw crewing Shane how um, if you stay on top of your nutrition and your hydration and your sleep you can get through these long events Mm. so I could tell when he ate decent food um, he might have needed a 10 minute nap um, you'd get hours out of him but if he was just eating lollies uh, you would you'd get nothing out of him. He'd be like a a mess on the side of the trail. So whenever he you know uh, needed a rest, I'd try to get him to eat something solid like a wrap. Um, you know, have have ten minutes lay down, and we'd get up and we'd be able to go for hours. So mm-hmm. I saw that you know if you get tired, then that's basically what you need to be able to to carry on. And it makes you wonder how many days you can actually do that for. Like, you know, like you could keep going, you know, if you had the supplies, you could probably just keep going. I can see an evil little twinkle in your eyes. You're saying that, <laughs> Kristen. How, how many days are you, uh, you proposing to go for here? <laughs> I don't know. How long's the trail? <laughs> That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Now, so these obvious sort of fluctuations in Shane's um, well-being and sort of performance were you able to sort of transfer those lessons across to yourself or do you need someone to tell you about that kind of uh, fluctuation as you're running? 
Uh, I didn't. Do you mean with Coast to Cozzy? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, like Tahoe went for four days. So Coast to Cozzy is 46 hours. So it probably didn't quite get into the same level of fatigue mm. um, and depletion. So I was pretty good. I was really good at Coast to Cozzy, but it was a good for me to have those strategies where I could tell my crew if you know if this is happening then let's do this like let's sit down for 10 minutes let's have something good to eat let's you know take our time instead of trying to push through and sometimes they say like if you keep trying to push through when you're so fatigued it's not you're not making progress mm -hmm. so that's where that was my strategy that I thought if I got to that stage I would just stop and take, even if it was half an hour, whatever you needed to come good again. So I did find, I did have experiences at Coast to Cozzy when I got really, really tired and I stopped once. It was my plan to stop at night time before, like as it was going into night time, I wanted to stop, do a full change of clothes, have something to eat and just defrag for 10 minutes and then go. I wanted to be able to then just go again all night. So mm -hmm. I did that and I really feel like the 10 minute rest, I feel like it gave me a new sort of bounce and, and I did, I kind of could carry on, on for a very long time after that rest. Mm -hmm. So if I, if I didn't have it, I'm not sure if I would have been then battling with myself um, you know, to, to beat the fatigue sort of thing. So yeah, it was good. I did. And I did learn that at Tahoe. Yeah. It, it's, it's quite incredible. The body's ability to uh, bounce back with such a limited, I don't know, a, a limited amount of yeah, self-love, I guess, there, you know, it's yeah. so minor. 10 minutes is nothing, but yeah, you can get through yeah. the night on that. Fascinating. Fascinating. But look, I, I guess uh, some of our listeners probably aren't, really that I favor with the, the race, the C2K, the Coast of Kosciuszko. So um, can you explain to the listeners, I guess, the, just the basic logistics around, you know, what the race is, how far, etc. Uh, so it goes from the coast um, at Eden, down south in Eden. And it, so it goes from um, sea level all the way to the highest point of Australia, which is the top of Mount Kosciuszko. Um, it's all road or well, there's a tiny bit of trail at the end, the 18 kilometers at the end is trail, but well, it's a, a yeah, track. Um, and at the very start, there's a tiny bit in the bush, uh, sort of on a fire trail, but the rest is road and, um, yeah, he's got 46 hours to do it. Um, you need your own support crew. And basically, which is like, that's a great thing because you can have whatever you want whenever you want it. Um, and that makes like, that's one of the beauties with this race, I feel. So you can call the shots. You, you know what you've got in your car. You're responsible for what you pack for, um, you know, for aid stations and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, 46 hours sounds just ridiculous, but when you put it in perspective of, four days for Lake Tahoe 200, it seems really easy. <laughs> so um, what's, uh, so what's, what's the exact distance and sort of the elevation gain over the course? For Coast to Cozzy? Yeah. 
it is 246 kilometers. The elevation gain, oh my goodness, you got me. That's all right. We'll just call it <laughs> I a do lot. know. Well, the t I mean, the highest point is 2,200, but yeah. it's 5,000. I'm pretty sure over the whole race, it's around 5,000 meters elevation gain. So more than halfway up the side of Mount Everest then. That's what we'll call it that, will we? Yes. Yeah, yes, it good. is. Good, good. And, um, yeah, so who, who did you have crewing for you? Did, uh, did Shane Simpson return the favour or was he racing as well? Oh, no, he raced. <laughs> no, he Bastard. didn't return the favour. Um, <laughs> I, I had my sister and my two good friends. So my two good friends are the most organised people in Australia. So they were definites on my crew so they did everything that was so good and my sister she is very she's just tough and she'll do whatever she needs to do but yeah she had hardly trained for this race but she ran 75 kilometers with me and I just knew that I wasn't worried at all she kept saying to me I haven't trained I haven't trained and I'm like I don't care because I know that you will just do it and she did so <laughs> well done sis now, they were very you... sore after. They were sorer than me after the race, but yeah, they did it. So, because well, uh, my husband, um, it was easier having the girls. My husband was very busy at work, so him he came down to Ginderbine on the Saturday morning with my daughter, and yeah, so we met them at Ginderbine. Okay. So that was a nice little treat as well to look forward to. So a fresh face. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, this crew, was there any uh, sort of tough love being bandied around or were you sort of running the show and they were just looking after you? They you no, they, we didn't really need any tough love. I had a really good experience. I didn't ever go to anywhere that was dark. I never wanted to stop. Um, yeah, I think I was a very good runner for them. I don't think I gave them, you know, I didn't give them any curry. So we had plans. I had sent, you know, I had typed up a lot of notes, you know, for if I'm doing this, then let's try this. If I feel sick, let's do this. If I'm tired, let's do this. If I've got, you know, whatever. So I kind of had, I feel like I had it all covered and um, there was strategies too for if I was, wasn't feeling good mentally, um, but we never had to use any of it, which is fantastic because I feel like I, uh, put all the preparation in that I, you know, needed. Um, but in saying that it could have gone, it could have gone worse, but I'm not sure why it didn't. I guess the training must have been right. Mm. And I think the preparation was right. So what I found interesting was months before the race, I was very, very nervous, but by race week, I wasn't nervous anymore. I had no, I feel like everything was covered. So I feel like, yeah, that it was, you know, good preparation. Yeah, fantastic. Best way to get rid of nerves is be prepared, I guess. So, yeah, um, and this, for me, this race was so big that I I needed to be prepared. And, and you had a long time to be prepared because it was pretty much the only race during 2020. So you would have had, you know, 12 months to build up to it. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, we only found out a few months before that it was going to go ahead. But I'd been training anyway for other things that we were hoping for. I was meant to do Tahoe 200 last year, but we've you know, worked out by April that that wasn't going to happen. 
So then I kind of thought, so yeah, if you go back to April, we were thinking we would be able to go to Tarawera and um, I was going to have a crack at the hundred mile race, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah. And as we were going along, I guess we still didn't know right up until, you know, recently that you weren't going to be going to Tarawera either, Mm -hmm. but then Coast to Cozzy came up. And so that was a no brainer because I was meant to do Coast to Cozzy in 2018 when it was cancelled. So we had, I'd done the training all year for that and it was cancelled two weeks before. So I feel like even though I missed out on the race that year, I did do all the preparation. So I was a little bit, I kind of knew what I was in for as far as the training and preparation went. So this was like the third time that you'd have to build up to a, a multi-day racing with uh, CK yeah. Lake Tahoe. Third time lucky. So well done. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. I want to um, I want to talk about pacing a two hundred and forty odd kilometer race. How how do you decide what the right pace is at kilometer one? Oh, I don't know. Um, I felt. I was kind of sticking to a six kilometer pace for a long time. I guess you got hills in that, which, you know, they, that changes everything. But when I was just running nice and free, um, I was trying to not run faster than six kilometer pace, but I didn't want to go too slow. But for me, that felt very comfortable, doable. My heart rate was I was I felt very comfortable and felt like I could do this all day all night um I I couldn't do it all night because I did actually slow down a fair bit um but that was mainly because not knowing how I was going to feel so I guess I got to like you get to 110 kilometers and I've still got 130 kilometers to go so I've done the 110 kilometers as slow and easy as I can but you've still got 130 to go. So it's like, it's really hard to know. I was just trying to get to Jindabyne and then it was just going to be a tough slog up the big hill. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess the, the pace and I had, you know, a lot of people tell me if you think you're going like slow enough, then you still need to go slower, you yeah. know, so you can never go too slow. Yeah. apparently <laughs> it's, such, it's such a strange mentality it's uh, i know they, and it doesn't it yeah it doesn't feel right either but it's it's the bigger picture and i guess it's the first one i've done and maybe i probably could run a a little bit more through the night than what i did do like i mean i kept running all night but if there was we were walking all the hills mm-hmm. where maybe there's a few little spots there, like the rolly hills. Maybe I could jog them. Like at the time I felt like I could have ran, but my sister was like, wouldn't let me run. She's saying, you're not running. This is a hill. I'm like, Oh, but it feels fine. No, we're not running. It's a hill. So I kept thinking about the end race and not knowing how I would feel when I got to Jindabyne. And that's the hardest part of the race from Jindabyne onwards. So yeah, it's just the unknown. But now that you do know, um, yeah, I don't know what I would do because I still feel like the pace I did um, is probably why I had such a good experience and why I felt good. So if I ran faster, I'd probably have gone somewhere a lot, you know, darker. 
<laughs> That's right. And there's something yeah. to be said for feeling that good psychology in the back half of a race, isn't there? Yeah. Now, I believe it's a uh, field of only 50 runners. Um, were you out there on your own for most of that, that time? Sorry, what was that? I believe it's only a field of 50 runners, like C2K. Were you running on your yes. own most of the time? No. No, I wasn't. There was always people around. It's funny, isn't it? So uh, I think through the day, you kind of tend to stick with the same handful of runners. Um, there's a lot of cat-mousing going on because people stop at their vehicles in different places for different things and you're passing. So I would say there'd be a handful of five people that I saw continuously through the race and then it kind of gradually changes overnight you kind of don't see a particular person but then somebody else has popped it popped up mm. and you might you may catch somebody so then all of a sudden that's somebody that I haven't seen and, and I'm somebody that they haven't seen but you could always see someone I guess from Ginderbine um yeah I did yeah from Ginderbine to Perisher I'd we didn't, I didn't see anyone, but up to Ginterbine, we always saw runners. Yeah. But like I said, it was a handful of the same runners. So whether it was three or four of the same people, um, but there was always someone around. Pretty, pretty friendly bunch, the C2K people from what I understand. Oh uh, yeah. So always someone yeah. to chat to. Now, um, Kristen, the, the weather turned pretty bad and, and it was pretty varied from day one to day two from what I saw. Can you um, yeah. fill, fill us in on what happened there? Yeah, so the forecast was meant to be beautiful. It's like 25 degrees all day, so that was great. <laughs> that, that was great. But I, um, just not knowing, and because we had the vehicle, I just threw all my gear in. So I knew that the forecast for me when I thought I'd be at the finish line was going to be bad. So it was meant to be 25 degrees all day on the Friday, yeah, for Friday and the Saturday and then Saturday afternoon at Charlotte's Pass, there was rain coming. There was, it was forecast to be two degrees, 75 kilometer winds and rain. And that was getting worse the later that you got there. So in my head, it was like, well, the earlier I get there, I'm you know, going to try and miss this rain. But I knew I wasn't going to. So um, when I saw it was two degrees windy uh, rain at Kosciuszko, I thought, um, we're going to put our snow gear in. So we actually all packed our snow gear. Yeah. And I didn't think I would use it. But, you know, I'm glad I chucked it in. And anyway, I'll go back to the start. So it was beautiful through the at, at the start line. But very early on, it got really, really hot. So Big Jack is um, around 55, 57 kilometres in. And I was running there with Simone, actually. And we were running, we got to this hill and we're like, my gosh, it's hot. It's so hot. Anyway, lucky my crew had ice and I had some bandanas in the car. So we wrapped some ice bandanas around my neck. And I pretty much left that on for until dark it ended up 39 degrees um yeah so it was hot so you're 39 degrees in the open country on the bitumen road yeah it was hot so um i'm not sure it dropped to about it probably dropped to about 10 and then maybe down into closer to five 
overnight as we were approaching Jindabyne. But then it heated up again. But then when we got to Perisha, we saw the storm coming in. And by the time I got to Charlotte's Pass, it was raining really, really heavily. So I was talking to Greg, the race director, and he just, we were just talking about what clothes I should wear. And I decided to wear the ski jacket. Uh, So I had the normal rain pants on, ski jacket, ski gloves, and off we went. So, yeah, it was pretty horrendous. You could see a little bit when we left. (laughs) But then, yeah, it came in. And by the time we got up to Seaman's Hut, it was pretty it was pretty bad. So sideways rain, you know, I was just looking to my left the whole time because the, it was just, you know, hitting your face. And um, I didn't feel cold. I was wet through, um, but I wasn't cold. So that was a good thing. But, yeah, the whole, the experience when I got up there was a bit, it did go pear-shaped. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to Rawson's hut and that's if it's like 1.5 kilometers to the top of Kosciuszko from there. So I was having a little bit of a hard time mentally because of the weather and I was wet through and I was getting really scared that I was going to get really, really cold. Mm. Anyway, I just talked myself into the fact that I wasn't cold. I'll deal with it when it happens. So we'll just keep going forward. And I just needed to put my head down and go but my one of my friend that was with me, she needed to go to the toilet. So she ran into Rawson's hut and I said, well, I'm going to keep going. I was still with my sister and my husband. And um, then I said, I'm going to keep going. We'll pick you up on the way back or just, you know, catch us up, whatever. So um, anyway, she called out from the toilets and we turned around and there's all these runners sticking their head out. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? And they're calling us in. So we mm-hmm. went to the hut and there was two runners in particular but one that I really remember and I don't know the man's name but I can picture his face and he begged us not to go to the summit and I'm like well why we're fine we've got ski gear on he goes do not go it is freezing it's so windy so there were six runners in the hut three had been to the top and three hadn't. So three stopped there and the other three had been to the top and went into the hut because they were cold. They were wet and cold. And I think that's where I had the advantage because I took the ski jacket, um, but they just had like the raincoat. So anyway, just the look in his face and he said, you know, please don't go. It's so bad. So I didn't know what to do. And I think it's just all the fatigue um, and you, you don't really know what to do but I wish now that we had have carried on but all I could think of was Greg Wallace the race director saying to me stay safe just stay safe right so I had that in my head and I said well what are we going to do I said well I'm not staying here so we went back anyway so I got to a kilometer from the top so I actually didn't summit Kosciuszko so I (laughs) I Anyway, I didn't know this at the time, but when we got back to the finish line, they're still holding the finish line uh, ribbon up and, you know, I'm running through and I'm saying, like they're all clapping and I'm saying, I didn't finish. 
and they're going, yes, you did. Yes, you did. I said, I didn't. I, I stopped at Rawson's hut because there's runners up there and, and they're telling us not to go. Anyway, I was the last runner that they let go through to the summit. So after I went through, they changed the finish line to Charlotte's Pass. So officially I finished. Um, I guess unofficially I did an extra <laughs> 12 kilometres that I didn't need to do. <laughs> <Can't say. laughs> I'm glad I did it though. And I don't, it doesn't bother me that um, I didn't technically go to the top because I do know mentally and physically I was going there. I only stopped because these men, people were saying, please don't go. And I, I think it's the fatigue that made me not know what to do. Mm. So, yeah, I don't really have any issues with the fact that I, I didn't get to the top. I, I know that I would have got there if I had kept going. So I just did what I thought was safe and that's why we went back. And, um, yeah, so officially if you look at the results online, I – yeah, they've got me as finishing at Charlotte's Pass. Yeah, that's, so, where, that's where it matters in the newspaper the next well, day. Well, and that's it. I still, I don't really, I still feel like I got the whole experience. Um, it's two kilometres short of the distance. Um, yeah, so I don't really, yeah, it doesn't. It, sit, it sits fine with me. And, and, and so it should, so it should. Um, <laughs> just just briefly on that uh, uh, coming out of Rawson's hut there, you, had, you said you had your husband with you. It, 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 he might have had some fresher legs and a fresher mind there. What, what was he thinking at the time? He was saying, we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> he was saying, we're fine. And I just didn't know what to do. And I just said, well, all I, like I said, all I could think was Greg saying, be safe. And mm -hmm. I said to him, I said to my husband, um, you know, Greg said, be safe. So they're saying it's not safe. Let's go back. And at that stage, we didn't know that they'd actually changed the finish line. So I guess if we had have known that, uh, then we would have gone back anyway. Mm. So uh, in hindsight, though, maybe uh, my husband could have gone up a little bit and seen what it was like. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, so he, he thought we would be fine. And when I, look, when I think about it now, I also think we would have been fine. But I don't know. You know, so... <laughs> and, and, and look, yeah, as, as I said, it's not it's not important. But does, no. that, does that does that two kilometers uh, make you want to jump in again and have a crack? At the spot? two kilometers doesn't. No. Um, like I said, I'm pretty confident that I would have finished. It wasn't a mental or a physical thing, like for me not getting to the top. Mm. So, um, and the whole race I was thinking oh my gosh I can't come back I mean I can't wait to come back next year this is so great I love it and I'm definitely coming back but then sort of two days later I started thinking oh I had such a good experience I don't want to go back and it be bad mm -hmm. so that's where I'm at at the moment I'm actually starting to lean a little bit towards the yeah I probably will go back but um yeah, I kind of started thinking that, you know, it was a lot goes into the race, a lot of preparation physically and logistically, mm -hmm. mentally. Um, yeah, so I know I know what it takes to do it. Um, so I'd have to be very, like, committed to, to go back. Um, yeah, and because I had a really great experience, I'm kind of happy to leave it there. 
but I'm not saying that I will. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's the age-old answer for sure. No, we'll leave, yeah. leave it there. Um, now, what would beat the body up more, Western States 100 Mile or Coast of Kosciuszko? Um, oh, I actually pulled up good from both of them. <laughs> That's, uh, um, that's disgusting. <laughs> and they're very similar. Oh, they're not. They're not a similar uh, course, but they're similar elevation. Western States was hot as well. Um, yeah, Western States I probably found physically harder at the time. Um, yeah, I was. Yeah, it was probably harder because there's some very big and hot canyons there that you've got to climb out of so i'll go with western states being beat me up a bit more <laughs> it just doesn't sound like you've been beaten up enough there i'm afraid that's so impressive <laughs> okay i've got um i've got to listen a question in from the angry bird so uh, the angry bird says you are always chilled laid back and smiling and great fun to be around nothing ever seems to rattle your feathers ruffle your feathers maybe <laughs> So uh, what gets you stirred up in a race? And what about out there on the trails? Is there a particular aspect of trail etiquette that ruffles your feathers? <laughs> there is something that really annoys me. Well, Crop dusters. <laughs> oh, it drives me mad. I hate it. <laughs> Crop dusters, that's fantastic. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. yeah, so that's it. Yeah, that's all probably. No, nothing right. else. You can't really upset me. <laughs> and this seems like a very, very specific dusting of crops. So uh, yeah, hopefully the angry bird knows what you're talking about. Um, I don't know if she does, but people definitely, people I run with definitely know. I don't know what, yeah, I'm not sure what she's, what Simone is talking about. But she was um, coming with, uh, me to Tahoe. I don't know if she told you. Mm. Yes, yeah, so we were going to have a good good trip there. So yeah. we'll have to put that on hold now. Yeah, we'll push on until uh, we're allowed to get off this island at some stage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there, there was there was a little sub question from the Angry Bird as well. Can I have one of your Ultra Trail silver buckles, please? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who needs to? I'm, ah, <laughs> I'm not sure she'd take it, but thank you anyway. <laughs> no, right, we should go and do it. We'll go and do it and get one together. Yeah, good call. Good call. Yeah. you got to earn that one. Um, next, next question is from the Dice Master. So how does your husband, Bob, having such an esteemed record in Ironman triathlon, manage with being only the second best athlete in the house? Uh, do you have to consider Bob's self-image before parading your successes at home? <laughs> I think he's used to it now. It was a bit hard to start with, but he's okay with it now. <laughs> if I make his lunch for him, he's happy. That's all it takes. That's all, that's it, all takes. it takes. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. And just... no, we all know he's the best athlete. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> just just for our uh, listeners, um, yeah, Chris, Kristen's husband, Rigoberto, is it? Rigoberto? Yeah, Rigoberto. Bob, he's a three-time Hawaii Ironman, um, 19th at the Roth Challenge. He's very impressive Ironman triathlete. triathlete. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible household there. 
Um, he actually only did Ironman Hawaii twice. He qualified three times, but we went twice. Okay. We're going to get Just to clarify, because someone up. will pull us up on that. <laughs> Regardless, <laughs> that's, that's impressive. I, I, I want to talk about the practicalities of having two athletes in the house. Do you guys train together? No, we don't. Um, no, not at all. He's... Oh, we've been for a couple of runs together, but he really, he annoys me running. <laughs> <laughs> so is it, is it the crop dusting? No, he doesn't crop dust. No, no, it's, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's more spitting. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> There's another thing. But you know what? He has his friends that he runs with and I have my friends that I run with and um, that, yeah, that works really well for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he ran with me at Coast to He did the last 60 kilometres with me. And I said when we were doing it, he was, he was amazing. He was really, really good company. And um, I said to him, this is like the most quality time we've ever had. Ever. We were together for like 10 hours. Oh, that must be love. That's <laughs> impressive. <laughs> now, I've got, a, um, I've got a personal question, I suppose. Uh, this is to do with my wife's budding career as a sub-elite mountain biker. How do you guys manage your training schedules, you know, put, putting them together in the one week? So, I guess, like, yeah, this is on a serious note. Um, um, when you go back um, a few years or maybe early, in the earlier days, um, he used to say to me, I don't care what you do through the week, but the weekends are mine. <laughs> so we got through like that. And now this is when my daughter was younger. So that was fine with me. And um, then she's old enough now to, you know, oh, she's happy staying at home a lot by herself and things like that. So um, now I do venture off sometimes on the Saturday and Sunday mornings, but usually yeah, I do mine through the week and, oh, he trains through the week as well before work. But, um, yeah, that's what, that's how it worked early on was he, he, he had the weekends and you um, know what? He works full time and that's fine. <laughs> I'm just writing that down. The weekends are mine. That's fantastic. Yeah. Great advice. <laughs> Great advice. <laughs> so, um, just speaking of the question from the dice master, did you end up having a crack at the role of the dice ultra? I haven't had a proper crack at the roll of dice. Um, I have participated on a very small level and that was always actually because of my daughter. I had, you know, she had things on. And this year I, sorry, last year, 2020, I did want to um, have a really good crack at it because it was going to be training for Tahoe. So I wanted to do the full 24 hours, but uh, yeah, it, all got changed because of COVID. So that didn't happen either. I don't even know if I'm going to get invited back because I haven't really, you know, put in a good show. Yeah. I'm a bit worried myself. I, uh, yeah. I, I pulled the fingers on crossed. The challenge last year as well. So hopefully Ben's yeah. listening and yeah, I'm going to stick my hand up again. <laughs> I know. It's like one of the things I, I hope I get another invite. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think maybe if we plug in enough, we'll be all right. Um, I've got a, just a little quote from you. I, I think my daughter has grown up thinking endurance sport is totally normal. So does she show interest in getting involved or has she been pushed in the other direction by the fitness company? I know she's not interested in, like, 
running or our type of sport. But I get that because I wouldn't have been at her age either. But she's very athletic as well. But she's into basketball, touch football. So she plays rep both of those in representative level. But she's always done the local triathlons. She doesn't train for it, but she'll every year she goes and does Nepean triathlon and they always have the kids at the half Ironman. They always have the kids race. And so every year she basically does those two triathlons. And I remember when she was two and she used to always do the little kids triathlons and she'd go and tell everybody that she's an Ironman, (laughs) (laughs) but no, she's not interested. Even now, actually the all schools triathlon is coming around and she hasn't swam since the last all schools triathlon and so she's got one month now to prepare for that <laughs> so she's a, fit, she's a fit sort of sporty kid but she's not into she's not into running or you know endurance stuff plenty of time there's some a grade, oh, that's genetics, it. A grade genetics there i've got no doubt um, <laughs> uh more listening questions about a few actually today so this is from lisa k your results over the longer distances have been fantastic. What is it that allows you to get better the longer a race goes? And what can I add to my own training to emulate this? Um, I don't, uh, I'm not sure if I do get better, but I'm, oh, I don't know. Anyway, um, I feel like it's a lot of mind work and being very happy. Um, like I actually love running and I love being out there like I never really have a day where I don't enjoy it Mm. if I didn't want to go for a run because I don't think I'm going to enjoy it I probably wouldn't go but it doesn't seem to happen to me Mm. um yeah I just usually thoroughly love being out there I always think that when you're not running you wish you were running so while you are running don't wish it away so I just thoroughly enjoy the time that I have got to run and I appreciate that I can do these events and I've been lucky enough to go to some amazing places and do fantastic runs, um, whether it's in Australia or overseas. So I find that inspiring as well to, you know, go somewhere different and, Mm. and do a run. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about the getting better, but I feel like if you're there mentally then, and you're loving it, then you can't get better. Okay. You know, the yeah. result doesn't matter. It's how you feel at the end of the race, yeah. or, you know, what you get out of it. So that's what I would think. Maybe Practice. that's a thing with age. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, you're definitely more grateful for the time out there. Absolutely. Yeah. I understand that for sure. So yeah. practice some gratitude, Lisa Kay. Simple, simple. And uh, <laughs> one, one more from uh, The Florist. So haven't heard from the florist for a while, but coming from a triathlon background and having a cyclist in the house, you must be appalled at the fashion kicking around in the trail running community. What's the number <laughs> one fashion faux pas you see out there? <laughs> well, there's a man in Penrith that runs and <laughs> I just love what he wears. He cracks me up. I don't know if anyone out there knows Luke Taylor. I don't know if I should have even said his name. Yeah, well, it's it's done now. It's good. (laughs) But whenever I see him, I'm just like, wow. (laughs) Where did you get those? So he actually runs um, in Kenyan running Olympic tights. 
Nice. From like the Kenyan flag. He's very white <laughs> running. He looks like a fast runner. So you lean, you know, he's skinny, tall, and he wears these Kenyan flag running shorts. He's All hilarious. Right. That's, that's <laughs> I've got to say with the cycling, my husband gets around in one of those caps that they wear under the helmets. And I just, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why he wears it. Well, I, I got one that I kick around in the garage in. So, good on you, Rigoberto. I'm with you. Oh, he wears it out to dinner. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is this is another one of uh, my my personal questions, I guess. So, um, I've asked a couple of people this, but. Between an Ironman and an ultra marathon, what, what fills you with more anxiety at the start line? Oh, definitely triathlon for me because the swim is the very first leg and that's my most, you know, that's what would give me lots of anxiety. Yeah, um, yeah so the swim would definitely fill me with anxiety. I think with the trail running, I don't really feel anxious. I would probably be more anxious at the start of a five-kilometre race than I would be at the start of an ultra because, you know, your heart rate's never that high in an ultra. Yeah. Oh, it so, shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. No, it shouldn't be. And mine isn't. So, um, yeah, five, five, even a 20-kilometre race would give me more anxiety than, than an ultra. Yeah, okay. It's probably some, some good perspective there, actually. Slow down and remove the anxiety from it. All right, so we, we talked about you being a, um, a, a massage therapist gun, so I want to talk a little bit of massage therapy if we can. Um, yeah. How often do you like to see your endurance athlete clients? What kind of schedule do you like to put them on? Oh, okay, so I'm probably, I probably approach this the same as everything in life. I always, I'm not the best. Um, I always say to people, see how you feel, if you think it helps you, you know, come back. But the, everybody's different. There's so many people and people just need to know their own bodies. Like I've got people that I massage weekly, like if they're definitely training for something that I'll massage weekly um, because they don't feel like they can get through the week's training load if they don't get a massage where other people can just go through and get them monthly, like it might be fortnightly, monthly, three monthly. Um, but for a good maintenance, yeah, it depends what you're doing and what your load is and, and it's what your body type is as well. So um, my husband gets massages, like I call him the massage whore. <laughs> I don't massage him anymore, but he, he'll he get three massages a week, which yeah. to me is overkill. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it's just your body type and, and – um, and how you recover so it's not it's it's not like I would like to see somebody every week or every month I guess every two months would be ideal to stay on top of injuries because I do think if you get a good massage you can then get a lot more out of your rolling and your stretching mm. um, once you break up all that scar tissue and you know get into trigger points and things like that that you can't quite do on a roller but you can maintain it really well with stretching and with rolling yep. so it depends if you're going to do that or not if you're not going to do that then yeah Three get a massage 
Three times a week, for sure. What, what about uh, what about in race week? Do you like to see someone the day before they compete or do you like to give it a couple of days for the body to absorb that treatment? Yeah, I would always say ideally you'd want a few days. Um, and again, everybody's different and usually it's probably something that you need to try before race week. Um, so I do massage people that feel like they're absolutely fine to train straight after a massage where I massage other people that find they need their sluggish for two days after a massage, whether that's from, you know, the lactic that's been released or they might be muscle sore, but um, lots of people get heavy, but lots of people don't feel a thing. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing you need to work out yourself. I probably would do it two, two to three days before. I guess it's not ideal to do it the day before yeah. just in case, you know, in case you did end up sore or heavy just about not trying anything new on race day just like anything i suppose yeah that's yeah. right yeah <laughs> yeah what about yourself do you massage yourself oh look it's one of those things isn't it <laughs> and <laughs> i i don't actually allow myself the time mm -hmm. um unless i'm desperate so um I actually only had one massage before Costa Cozzi and it was because I was at a stage where my legs, I just wanted someone to touch my legs. You know, they feel so sore. It's like, I just want someone to touch them. But I get by with, uh, I do a lot of yoga and I do, it's hot yoga. So you, there's a lot of sweating. Um, and I think that I find that that keeps my body, um, flexible and in good shape so i found since i've been doing very consistent yoga i i shouldn't say because this is my industry but um yeah i don't really feel like i need that much massage and i didn't even have i haven't had physio i work at a physio um and i used to get lots of physio in 2018 before western states i was getting physio every fortnight and I haven't actually been treated since then. Yeah. And I, I believe it's from all the yoga that I do. Mm. So, yeah it's, yeah, it's pretty powerful stuff, I reckon. Yeah, no doubt about it. That complementary exercise, keep your range and strength up outside of the running, I'm sure. Yeah. Sure keep you off the physio's table, for sure. Yeah. Um, are you able to lie there and zone out if you do ever have a massage or are you sort of internally critiquing what's going on the whole time? Yeah, I think that's another reason why I don't get massages because, um, yeah, I kind of just go when I'm desperately want someone to touch my legs. <laughs> other than, like the physio does an awesome job for me. Uh, I've have found it hard to find somebody to massage my legs how I want them done, and yeah. and and the other side of that is. If you get a massage from me, you basically get what I want. <laughs> uh, that's the way it works. All, the, all the muscles in the legs, you know, that runners want massaged. Yeah. Um, yeah. And sometimes I, yeah, I would be laying there thinking, oh, please, can you just, you know, do this one, do this muscle? But yeah, so I go to the physio to kind of get that done. And I guess because I work with them, it's easy to just tell them what I want. So I'm probably not good at telling people what I want either. So mm -hmm. I, yeah, I can, yeah, I can critique and, and I, yeah, I can zone out too if I just want to relax. 
<laughs> but I think that's important for people to know that you should be chatting to your therapist no matter what they are. And, oh, absolutely. And I love people that tell me what they want, you know, and, it, and it's good. And I always say to people too to tell me, you know, mm. tell me how, you know, if it's too much or not enough or if you want more or if you want it somewhere else or, you know, because, yeah, it's your it's your your service. You know, mm. you're, you're the one getting treated. You want it to work for you. Yeah, absolutely. And the therapist doesn't yeah. know unless you tell them. So, yeah, yeah, keep, keep that communication going. Now, um, endurance athletes all like to think they can do their own remedial work and they also love to spend money on gadgets and fads. So think the power band of the early 2000s. So let's uh, run through some therapy toys and trends and I want you to tell me if it's rubbish or if there's some value <laughs> there. So you can just use like a uh, uh, if you really think it's crap. Or if you think there's some value, let me know. So number one is the Theragun. Everyone seems to have a Theragun now. Worth buying? Yeah, we actually got one. (laughs) Of course. So I told you my husband's a massage horse, so he got it. I always say when he was buying, I'm like, I don't know what you're buying that for. Anyway, he's bought it and it's good because, um, well, he can use it on himself. All right, good. So some value there. I think they're okay. I did use it on my glutes and I got a, you know, I was a little bit sore the next day. I can feel it. I can feel certain certain things with it, but you don't get the flush that you get with mm. a massage. No, good. Good answer. <laughs> this case, spiky balls. I like a tennis ball. I personally don't like a spiky ball. Yeah, me neither. I think they're yeah. folks. Oh, okay. I think a tennis ball or a baseball or something that you can actually put some pressure through. The spike. Yeah, I feel like I can get more. I can pinpoint places more with the ball than than the spiky ball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just painful for painful sake in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm glad we agree. Good. Okay. (laughs) What about the shiatsu mat? Have you ever laid on one of these things? No, I haven't. One of my girlfriends has got one, and she said she likes it. I'm not sure what it's meant to do. Correct. <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. <laughs> My wife has one and I'm still not sure what it's meant to do. Okay. Um, and, and, and we've spoken about the foam roller. You think there's some value there? I do. I actually, it's for certain things. And if you know how to use it, I suppose, um, I actually roll, roll my legs before every run. Yeah. I find it warms them up sort of stretches them out a bit without doing stretches so I find I have a little um ongoing Achilles issue that if I don't if I don't roll my Achilles hurts if I roll it doesn't hurt so I roll okay makes sense yeah the experiment one works um and lastly uh the shopping center massage they're good like if you you know like the boxing day sales and you are doing a full eight hour shopping spree um i know exactly in, what you in the middle <laughs> in the middle so if you shop for four hours have the shopping center massage and then go again <laughs> uh i think <laughs> but honestly i think they're hit and miss mm-hmm. um as far as the massage goes as far as Oh, I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to say this, but I don't think that I don't think they pay tax. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh. there you go. Look, that, that wasn't going to be my first downside, but yeah, fair enough. I think the communication thing we talked about just before is 
one of the most important things about therapy. And I think, unfortunately, the communication in those settings is, is pretty uh, hit and miss. Yeah, to, Very, to, yes, to it's limited. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah I, I think something to be avoided. Go and see if you can find one that works for you, you might, some people, yeah, you probably, it's like the same, you know, some people find things that work for them and some people don't. Mm. So. But yeah, in my mind, you may as well go see someone good. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So, so if people want to uh, find you as a massage service, where can they look you up? Oh, um, well, locally, I work for a physio called Healthy Body Co. Um, and other than that, I'm just at home. People usually just send me messages on Messenger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kristen Brace, easy to find. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nice. And yep. what about if they want to follow your progress in the in the ultra world, Kristen? Oh, well, if you mean like social media, I'm not very good at doing those sort of posts, but um, I don't know. <laughs> That'll do. That'll do. <laughs> if you see it on the results, you can see it. I don't know. Perfect. No, good answer. That's perfect. <laughs> oh, I'm on Strava. I've, yeah, I've got a, I do Strava. That's social media for yeah. athletes. That's perfect. I'm happy with Strava. <laughs> perfect. And what is on the radar now? What, what, do, you, what do you aiming towards this year? Uh, so after Coast to Cozy, I really just wanted to chill out for a good six months and just have nothing to think about. But I have, um, I did end up in six foot track. So that's in four weeks time. So I've got six foot track coming up, which I plan on, like I've still been running, but I'm not training specifically for it. I just want to go out on the day and enjoy the track and enjoy everybody around and have a good day just actually celebrate the fact that a race is on. <laughs> um, yeah, so that would be good if it goes ahead. And, yeah, I don't have much on my radar at the moment for this year. I would love to get to Tarawera 100 mile or one day. So if it happened to be next year, that would be great. Um, yeah, so if I end up in any races this year, it's kind of – there's no plans at the moment for anything mm-hmm. big, so – yeah. It could be close to Cosy, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's probably a good strategy this year, you know, stay stay patient, stay flexible and... and, and, and yeah. Find out I do on. feel like for three years I've kind of been training consistently for big races. Mm-hmm. So I was very happy to kind of have six months and just um, not have a race to think about. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a blessing really. It's great. All right, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. I, I will see you out at the six foot track. So we'll, uh, oh, great. Yeah, say, say You're running? Yeah, yeah, I'm having to run too. So I'm looking forward to pinning the number on for the first time in a while. Uh, what wave are you in? Uh, wave two for me. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. Might see you on the bus then. Maybe, maybe. We'll yeah. be getting, you know, 1.5 metres apart with our masks on, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, be, we'll be there for sure. So. Oh, that's uh, great. Congratulations on a fantastic uh, bunch of results, particularly at C2K. It's very, very impressive. And, um, yeah, good luck with the next sort of 12 months and getting over to Tahoe eventually. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and thank you very much for your time. Some great stories. Thank you. Uh, great. No, that's no problem. Thanks for having me. No worries. See you out there soon. Okay. See ya. Thank you. That was great. I'll just press... <laughs> Press pause. So, um, yeah. So do you edit that? 
Oh, we might just edit that little chunk in the middle where we, um, yeah, oh, yeah. Like where we lost you for a sec. But no, not not a great deal. No, it doesn't we matter. We don't need to. There was nothing to edit. Okay. Really. it's perfect. I don't know. Sometimes I go off. I don't really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, no, no. You didn't at all. Not at all. It was good. It was easy, easy chat. I think that's what people want when they're out there running, just something easy to listen to. So, yeah. Yeah, perfect. I guess so. Yeah. Perfect. Cool. That was good. So, um, yeah, are you uh, staying up in the mountains further for six or track or do you just come from home and go up to No, the, yeah, know? we just come from home. Yeah. It does take, it'll take like oh, about 50 minutes to drive to Katoomba, but, yeah, yeah no, we'll just come home. Yeah, easy. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. I'm not sure what that finish line's going to look like with, oh. um, I, yeah, like they're saying they're shuffling everyone through, but you still have to wait for the bus. Yeah, that's right. You'll still be there for yeah. an hour, I think, you know. They can't yeah. uh, stick you straight on a bus. It's a bit dangerous to uh, just push people through like that. I don't think yeah. Really, Are you uh, staying up there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're staying in Katoomba in for a couple of nights. So. Oh, good. We'll hang around and have a couple of beers in the afternoon in somewhere afterwards. Yeah. So, yeah. Excellent. Looking forward to it. So, finally having a race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Cool. Very good. Um, I was going to ask you, do you mind um, sending me a couple of photos just so we can promote the, the podcast when it comes out? It should be. Yeah, like Coast to Cozzy or? Whatever you like. Just just a couple, you know, of, of yourself, um, whatever you think looks good. Uh, and, and then we'll just do a couple of social media posts when it comes out. Um, yeah. Yep, no problem. It should be within a week-ish. Um, yeah. And, and if okay, you... that's scary. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think you need to be scared about that. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, cool. and, and then if you don't mind, just yeah, putting it out there on a couple of your social sort of. If you if you do have your yeah, I'll do that. I have been really bad on um, social media for ages now. I haven't I haven't really posted anything, but yeah, I will for sure. Awesome, that'd be unreal. Yeah, thank cool. you. And um, all right, say hi to Belinda Gerace for me. I, I don't know if she's oh, yes. thinking about it. Yeah, I've known her since we were teenagers, kids, I guess. So. From yeah, gymnastics background, so yeah, she's lovely. Girl. Yeah, she's fun. Yeah, I might see her on the weekend actually. I ran with her last weekend, she's oh, going cool. really well. Yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. Looks good. So she loves it, she loves running. She's got the bug for sure. Yeah, for sure. she does. Cool. All right, well, cool. I'll get off here in a few weeks' time, Kristen. But uh, thank you so much for today. It was great, really good. No worries, thank right. you. See you soon. See you later.